podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Heels podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And welcome to episode 73. 73. Boy, we are well into retirement, I hope. Uh, can we just say at this point, we are living on a cruise ship. Like we sold all of our house like assets and we just cruise the world. I read something online that said that that was cheaper nowadays. So um, I don't know if it is, but I think it'd be wonderful. I can do it. But let's just buy a boat. We'll buy a boat. We'll sail the sea. We'll pay someone to sail the sea. Okay. On our <laughs> well, boat. We have to pay someone to sell it. Yeah. So that's but a concern. That's fine. We can figure that out. Oh, okay. That's we fine. don't have any other bills. We just have the boat. The boat and the food and all the other things that we have to pay for for the boat. We should probably get an accountant, too. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just do a cruise. We don't have to worry about okay. anything else. We yeah. just get on, they feed us, and they booze us up. You talked me into it. Done. You should have mentioned the booze first, and that would have been, like, done. Done ski. <laughs> Yeah, we'll just get the the booze package. Mm-hmm. Okay, is that a thing? Yes. Oh, I've never been on a cruise. I don't know. <laughs> yes, on a cruise, uh, you are allowed to buy a package that's basically unlimited booze. It's like sixty dollars per day for unlimited booze. Cheap. Uh, okay, correction. That's with Carnival. It depends on where you go through, obviously. So. Mm-hmm. Still so cheap. just get like the booze package and you're good. Okay. Yeah. Well, done. How are you? Um I'm here. I'm uh, I'm making it. We're making it. And he's got more teeth coming in. These oh. here. The mashers. The the back teeth, the molars. Oh yeah, it's hell. Those are molars, right? Your back I ones? think. I just keep calling them the food mashers. We're going to call them the, the molars because I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And I'm not going to Google right now. But. Well, how was your birthday? Now that it has come and gone and we haven't talked since then. It was okay. Um, I did get the day off work. But only because Annie was sick and couldn't go to daycare. So it was like. A bummer. Yeah. It was, it was snot filled. Um, What she had, I think I'm now getting, or got. Have. Yes. What she had, I kept. So I think that's where we are right now. Okay. Um, Have you been able to enjoy your birthday present? Shit, no. I've been telling everybody about it, though. (laughs) I got Genius. (laughs) I had a whole plan. Well, okay, let's say that was plan B also. That's not what I really wanted to get you, but it was plan B. Do you want to tell everyone? It was your gift. It was a fucking Sam's Club card. Whole like, ass membership. A whole ass year membership. Like y'all. Best gift idea. <laughs> what I was going to do. Or I'm sorry. No, my plan to give it to her wasn't. So I, I set everything up using like my work email, pay for it, but it's all got Amanda's address and everything. And my plan was to send a verification code to her email. And then I was going to make her do a scavenger hunt through her email to find it. But I accidentally sent it to her phone. <laughs> Yo, that scavenger hunt, like, I don't know, man. I've got like over 
2,000 emails that I would have. Probably more than that, but definitely. Okay, but I would be able to, we'd be able to narrow it down to certain dates. Honestly, I probably could have just typed in um, Sam's Club in the search bar. But I would have, how would I have known that was I know. the email I was looking for? That's why I was going to say that wouldn't have worked. You wouldn't have known it was Sam's Club. Yeah. The first gift I wanted to get you was something you needed to get time off of work for. And James had to probe for me and said you wouldn't get time off of work until like October or something. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to this paranormal conference by myself. Next year, you can count me in. <laughs> okay, next year. Done. <laughs> well, I have something I want to show you because I went on a little shopping spree. Oh, first of all, I've got updates before I show you. First of all, my damn dryer (laughs) just stopped working. Wonderful timing Mm. for that. Is why is it always the dryer too? Like it can't be. It's never the washer. It's normally the washer for us. Oh, so we're. This is the first time it's been the dryer causing issues. (sighs) It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. There was that, Um, and then we got a new couch. New to us couch. Uh, I got to vacuum it off because it's got some dog fur on it. I got it for my parents, Mm. but it's got some forest fur on it. Look, people with dogs, we get it. It's just glitter. Exactly. Fine. But the other thing that I just want to show you is I went on a little shopping spree for IVF stuff. Okay, no, it's what's in the basket I'm going to show you. Okay. Because I went on a little shopping spree because I was talking to my friend that has had, uh, she's gone through IVF for both of her kids. And she gave me some tips on what to, uh, what to get to help make my life easier. So the first thing she told me to get, and her words, not mine, one of the giant old lady weekly medication, like, sorters. Oh, yeah. The Monday's Tuesday Wednesday. Yeah, it's not giant. The cute little organizing thing. Close that up. Um, and then I also got it says it's a, a planner and it says making my baby IVF tracker. Oh, that's cute. It's so got like flamingos on it. Yeah, and so like each page, like each day I can fill out like what medications need to look like and all of that fun stuff. And it's got that's like cute. sections for questions and all that stuff. Um and then I figured, well, if I'm on the go and I need to take anything that's, like, injectable or medication with me, I'm going to need, like, something to put it in. Okay. And I bought this. Worth every prick. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> so it's, like, a little, you can, like, envision, like, a little makeup bag with cactus all over it. Cacti. Cacti, I think. And it says worth every prick. <laughs> and then my favorite, I don't know. Am I going to have to open it? My favorite, I got these because they made me laugh. So they're socks, but one foot says lucky transfer socks. Also, they have pineapples on it. I got to tell you about the pineapples in a minute. The other one, this is the sock that made me laugh. It says, knock me up, doc. (laughs) Oh my God, that's freaking hilarious. Where did you find those? Amazon. (laughs) Oh my God, that's hilarious. So I've got socks and I told my friend, I don't care what doctor's appointment I'm wearing or I have. I'm wearing these to all of them. It does not matter. And so that's my little stash of IVF stuff right now. I'm sure there will be more. But the socks are my favorite. I know. Okay. And the pineapple. So I couldn't figure out why the hell 
everything that was IVF related had like pineapples on it. Everything. I was like, what the hell? So I Googled it and apparently a pineapple is like the symbol for IVF, like the adopted symbol, not like the official one, but <laughs> the adopted ones so like Facebook pages and all of that will show a pineapple because there is an old wives tale. And it's, let me just say, and it can't be that old because IVF is like se- late seventies, you know, okay, but there's older than I thought, but okay. Yeah. Um, basically, <laughs> uh, the the thought is that you eat if you eat the core of a pineapple on your transfer day embryo transfer day it's supposed to give you better odds of the embryo transfer being successful but it's the core of the pineapple is that edible apparently i'd try it i like crunchy things like pineapple. i'm not i'm not trying yet no uh it had some like vitamin or something in it that was supposed to help is it not a vitamin you can get off the walmart shelf i don't think so ah okay. i've never seen it on a walmart shelf hmm. and i don't know if it's really a vitamin or something else i'm just calling it a vitamin okay but basically as i read the article further it, a doctor said yeah don't don't do that oh, <laughs> oh I just, well i didn't plan to anyways so <laughs> we're good I was going to ask if they had ever done any, like, scientific research or any kind of research on this mm-hmm. or if we just chomping on pineapple cores. Just chomping on pineapple cores, I just guess. Driving to the hospital with a pineapple core and an ice cream cone just going away. I don't know why we're going to the hospital, but yeah. Is it, where do, where do IVF things happen? Oh, I'm, the, what is it called? The retrieval will, I'm sure will take prep place in the hospital because i have to go under anesthesia okay but the embryo transplant i don't i think that's just in the doctor's office they've got a whole horrible procedure room that i hate all so very much but it's fine i tried to mute i'm sorry amanda's just laughing at my my misery with the um procedure room it's awful it's just the way that your face looked when you described it i i don't know if i want to know last time i was in there and this is obviously based off of what i remember like it's a sterile room and it's there it's bigger than an exam room but they take you back in there and the walls are just like concrete i'm sure they're sterilized (laughs) and it's clean and it's got like the sterile flooring and there's just one bed in the center of the room there's a giant like x-ray machine that like can go up and over and all it's uh for the pingle something gram i don't know it's so that they can check your fallopian tubes and such um and then just like the so far i don't like it either and i'm familiar with it because we did iuis several years ago and i don't know it could have changed since we did the iuis i have no clue but me and that bed are all too familiar already. And I just don't. <laughs> I mean, you could at the very least. I feel like I feel like it's important for the mother to be comfortable. So maybe put a coat of paint on the wall. I'm sure it was painted. I'm sure I'm just misremembering it. But I just feel like I remember it being concrete. Okay, next time you go in, tell me what it's like. Make a mental picture and we'll see how much... You just blacked out. <laughs> Why do I have to make a mental picture? Why can't I just take a picture? That's even better. Okay. <laughs> I'll just take a picture. I want to see this. 
creepy dungeon that you speak of. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> Again, that could just be me misremembering things and hating every moment of that I've been in that room so far, but it's fine. Fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Um, but the the pineapple makes me laugh because I don't know if you knew this. Do you know what else the pineapple represents specifically when it's upside down? That they planted it wrong? What? The symbol of an upside down mm. pineapple is supposedly mm. the sign of uh, swingers. <laughs> what? <laughs> she can't hear me. Why are you <laughs> sorry? <laughs> All I see is Amanda go what and cover Annie's ears like she can hear me. <laughs> Supposedly, I did not know that. Yeah, supposedly it's uh, it's like flamingos, pineapples, and gnomes, and I've got a million gnomes. Not for any other reason than I think the gnomes are cute. That sounds busy. Oh, I get it. Never mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But don't come looking for a pineapple in my yard. I mean, I do it because I think it's hilarious, but also no one in my area would know that. I hope not. Maybe they do, though. Maybe they're like, did she add another gnome to her collection? Is she hinting at something? The you, need, moment... you don't have the right gnome. You need a gnome sitting on a pineapple. No, a gnome riding a flamingo, eating a pineapple. I think they have them. Upside down. Listen, if there is ever a pineapple on my door, my gnomes will just be moved to the backyard. Fine. Is that how they communicate? Do you leave someone a pineapple? I think so. That's what I oh. understood. Did you just leave them a pineapple? I feel like that's expensive. You could just mail them a letter for cheaper. You could just send them a text. You're already yeah, paying really? for the service. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's just my thought. Yeah, but that's only if, so if the pineapple's upside down, it's a swinger right side up, it's IVF. It's a fine line we're walking right there, okay? I'll try to remember that. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so that's, I think that's all my updates. That's all I've got. Do you well, I'm boring else? compared to all that. I have intentionally not told you anything either. I do have something else. I've already told you, but I'm going to tell you again. So we got some really cool news that um, Jack got accepted into a STEM school. Yeah, what is that? From. A STEM school. Oh, God. It's like a STEM stands for science. I think it's science, technology, engineering, and mathematical studies okay. or something like that. He's only like 10 or 11, isn't he? He's 10. Yes. I think he's still 10. Okay. I'm going to go with 10. Yeah, he's 10. Okay. So the school has not even been built yet, but it'll be finished building next year. So he'll go there like well up into high school. And it's got like a 98%. Um, I can't remember. But like 98% of their students go to college and get accepted into colleges and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty excited. Pretty excited. For he wants to go. Cool. But they're like all over the place. They have them in a bunch of different states and. They'll have another one here soon. So he's pretty psyched about that. I was impressed. I mean, I'm impressed, but. That's not my kid. Because <laughs> first of all, I not only do, do I get the news that he's going to a STEM school and I go, I don't know what that is, but I didn't bother asking. Cause I was like, ah, it's going to go over my head anyways. 
Um, but also I get a Snapchat of Amanda eating dinner with James and uh, Jack uh, talking about math. Yeah, they were talking about trigonometry at that. They Algebra were pretty, pretty into it. I remember exactly what they were talking about. They were talking about how to find, it started with how to find the degrees in a triangle. And then it went all the way to E equals MC squared and what that meant. And this is why the boys got in, the boy got into a STEM school, I suppose. I mean, it's fine, but does he, does he know math is not that fun? He does not know that. And I'm not going to tell him. Okay. All right. Well, we did not choose an area to listen to. So do you want to just look at the map and choose an area? And that's who we'll shout out today. An area to listen to? I thought we were listening to us. No, no. That listens to us. Oh, I'm prepared. I can do this. It's not like we do this every week. No, we haven't done it. (laughs) Also, this is every week where we're like, oh, yeah, we get to this part and we still (laughs) haven't chosen someone to shout out. You, You looked at the map, right? Yes, and I think, you know what? I want to talk about Oregon. Oregon. Yes. I think it's very, very much Portland, Oregon area. Yeah. So what up? For a while, too. Yeah, what up, Oregon? Thanks for listening. Portland sounds like the place to be in Oregon, too. Cody said he hated Portland. Yeah, that's Cody. But he also went for work. Oh, well, I would hate it, too. (laughs) So I was like... I don't know if I really agree with you, sir, but. No, I'm with you. I I think he went for the wrong reasons. I think everybody's with you on that. (laughs) But he he didn't like it. He said he wasn't impressed. It doesn't change the fact that I want to go now. Like he's been somewhere. He's been somewhere I haven't been. And I feel like I need to fix that. I think you should both go to Oregon. I think so, too. I also now have to go to Arizona, too, because he had to go to Arizona for work. Okay, he's just being unreasonable at this point. He actually liked Arizona, if I remember correctly. I think James lived there for a little bit. Like a very little bit. I think he more liked it because it was cold here at the time, and so he was warm. Can't relate. Oh, I can, because it's... Oh. Oh. What? We were going to record last week, and we never did. And I just realized I was going to surprise you last week with all the snow because it snowed here again. It's gone now. Oh. But I didn't take a picture. Oh, well. I'm sure, I hate to say this to you, I'm sure it'll be back. I, God, I hope not. It has been snowing. So Whoever is doing a snow dance in Utah, please freaking stop. <laughs> We're done. That's enough. We're warming up this month. Like, let's just get above freezing temperatures consistently. You can bring the snow dance to Arkansas. I'm okay with that. Yeah, go ahead and do that. I don't care. But no, I actually think the snow might be done so far this year. From what I could tell on the weather. I hope for your sake it is. Oh my god, I don't know if I can handle any more snow. (laughs) Rain I can deal with because at least it's not cold enough that it's snow. In the 10-day forecast, it sees snow. Oh, but that's in the morning hours. I don't think snow overnight really counts because it's not going to be enough. Snow for like an hour. We're good. So it'll be gone. Yeah, it'll be gone. Okay. So. 
Well, the other thing we need to talk about is our Discord is up and going. So if you guys want to join us on Discord, shit chat there, shit talk with us. Um, I'm sure I can convince my dad to shit talk with you guys. Uh, He might still be on there. I have no idea. Um, I'm sure Cody will shit talk with you guys too, but when is Cody not shit talking? Um, Never. When he's sleeping, actually, I think. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure he's still shit talking then. (laughs) That tracks. Yeah, it feels right. So that is up and going. The link for that is on all of our social media. So you can go to Instagram, Helen Hills Podcast. Twitter, Helen Hills Pod, uh, Facebook, Helen Hills Podcast. You can even go to our link tree and find that as well. If you're having issues, you can email us, Helen Hills Podcast at gmail.com, and we can get you the link th- there as well. Um, and then our Patreon is also up and going. Link for that is everywhere. We're working on getting some fun specials and things out. Um, and then I think that's it. I think I'm ready for a story. Are you ready for this story? I'm never ready for your stories, but I think I'm going to, I'm ready to tune you out. Okay. Well, that's good because I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) I'm going to tell you. I am going to tell you a story about Deborah Janelle Jeter. No. It's too late. So she was born November 20th. 1970 in Randolph County, Georgia. And she was living in Texas. She had worked at Hill College as a tutor in anatomy and physiology. And she was accepted into the college's licensed vocational nurse program. But she turned it down because she wanted to become a registered nurse. I didn't know what that was. I'm ignorant. I'll go ahead and say that. So for anybody else like me that didn't know the difference, um, vocational nurses... They don't go through as much training as registered nurses. They kind of work under a registered nurse's supervision. I didn't know that, though. I didn't either. Um, So she, I guess she wanted to be, like, on her own as a nurse. She wanted to be the registered nurses. So she did turn that program down. She was married to Lester. He went, he was known as Lee Jeter. They had two daughters together, Kelsey and Kirsten. And neighbors described the Jeter house as unkempt and noisy. Apparently, the police had been called to this house multiple times by different neighbors. But regardless, they lived at 101 Brazos Point Drive in Hillsboro, Texas, until May of 2009, when Lee filed for separation. Deborah did not take this news well. And on May 21st, Deborah attempted suicide by swallowing a bunch of pills. And when she did this, the girls were with her. The How many police, girls did they have again? They had two daughters. Two, okay. The police were called uh, to the house. It was unclear of who called them. It kind of seemed like maybe a neighbor did. But they were dispatched. And after this, Deborah received psychiatric treatment at the DePaul Center in Waco, Texas. Yay. The day after she did this, Lee filed for divorce. He expressed concern to the court about leaving the girls with their mother after this accident happened. Um, he also petitioned for custody of the girls, quote, to protect the safety and well-being of the children and of any other person who has been a victim of family violence committed by Deborah. 
He told Lee told the judge she may be released within a few days, mm-hmm. and I'm concerned about her possible actions regarding the children. And the court did grant him a temporary restraining order against Deborah. After she was released from treatment, they had another hearing. And as a result, the judge lifted the restraining order and allowed Deborah to see her children again. It was ruled that Deborah never showed any resentment towards her children. So it didn't make much sense to keep them away from her. They also said that even though she attempted suicide, she never put either of her daughters in harm's way. And Lee allegedly agreed with this decision. The day after this hearing, um, Deborah was granted custody of her kids. Both girls were excited to see their mom again. They hadn't seen her in two weeks at this point. And the last time they saw her, she was not in the best state of mind. I imagine this is just ridiculously traumatic. So this is already, and I don't know how much you know about the Susan Powell case, which I haven't covered yet, but I do have dibs on. But this is reminding me a lot of Josh Powell so far. I don't know. I don't think I know that case. I know the name. I know her name. For our listeners, if you get, like, if you know, you know. Like, this, to an extent, obviously not, like, like for like, is she reminding me of him? But kind of, I'm kind of getting the Josh Powell-y vibes right now. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But, well, correction, I know that's a bad thing. It's not, it's not great. Sources varied in which girl, but multiple news outlets did report that one of the daughters wrote on their MySpace, I get to see my mom tomorrow. Yay. So they were super excited. June 5th of 2009, this is the day after the restraining order was lifted, she made her way to Lee's house, or where he was staying, to pick the girls up. When she got to Lee's at 6 p.m. Friday night, she told the girls that she had a surprise for them. And she told the girls that they were, she had a whole night planned. They were going to be singing American Idol songs and reading books. So the girls told their dad goodbye and just kind of scrambled into the car. Three hours later, 911 would respond to an emergency call in rural Hill County. Do you want to hear that call? No, but am I going to have to listen to it? Yeah, you are. Yeah, okay, just I'm just gonna throw this out. I it is reminding me more and more of the of Josh Powell. And I don't like it. And what year was this again? This was recorded uh, June 5th of 2009. Oh, late. Okay. I've heard that before. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't know how to feel about it. Like, it's obviously infuriating, but it kind of just makes me wonder, like, where she was mentally because she is so calm. And then she kind of gets frantic. And then she kind of just really pisses me off at the end where. Like, we'll get into what happened, but you are you don't want to be shot. The whole thing pisses me. I, like, I, I get that maybe she wasn't all there mentally mm-hmm. at the time. But you ha- also have her saying, I just couldn't handle my kid asking for help. Yeah, like, that part. Well, why did you put them in a position that they would have to ask for help? Mm-hmm. And then exactly. it kind of irked me that she was still calling them, like, baby. And it's like, mm, that's not your kid anymore. Mm-hmm. Sweetheart, like, you just 
murdered one of your children and the other one is begging you for help. And that other one knows what happened. She knows. Mm -hmm. And the fact that like, she obviously has some kind of at least minimal medical knowledge to be accepted into, you know, a program for nursing, regardless of what level your children are sitting here bleeding out and you're just walking around the house. Well, here's the other thing, though, is the other thing that drives me nuts is that she, I'm not telling you my name. Ma'am, like, you obviously know what you did is wrong. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. you at this point know that you have, even when she is towards the end of that call, even when she is getting kind of freaked out and, like, you know, more frantic, she's still refusing to give her name. She is still outright refusing. So she knows what she did. It's not, like, she's not, I feel like... If she had like a mental break and is kind of coming out of, I feel like she'd be in more of shock. And maybe, maybe she was, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. Cause she was very calm. Yeah. It's eerie. And that's a good point too. Like you said, up until the end, she refused to give them her name. I didn't even think of that. So she obviously knew some part of her knew she did something. Yeah. Wrong. And it's not like she was crying. Like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. She never once said she was sorry. Not that I heard, but I was also seeing red when I was listening to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. And I, I don't, I'm struggling to see her show any remorse. Well, for, um, I'll just, I'll just keep going. <clears throat> Let's see. So after picking the girls up, Deborah drove them to an abandoned farmhouse um, on 215 U.S. Highway 77 off of Interstate 35. Police found Jeter in the garage with her hands above her head. They did notice blood on her arms that they said it looked like she had tried to clean off. Her car was in the garage and on the roof of the car, they found a small knife. 12-year-old Kelsey Leanne Jeter was found deceased inside the house with her throat slashed. And 13-year-old Kirsten Lee Jeter, found they found her in a bedroom clinging to life. Her throat had been slashed and she was stabbed in the back. Kirsten was rushed to Parkland Hospital in Dallas by medical helicopter, and she was immediately put into surgery. Deborah was arrested and held at Hill County Law Enforcement Center. She was charged with attempted capital murder and murder. She was put on a suicide watch, and she was given granted a $1.5 million bail. During the investigation, police pulled phone records, which show that Deborah had picked the girls up and drove to Corsicana and back. And they assumed that she had been in search of a place to commit this heinous crime. Doctors were able to save Kirsten. Um, and she would go on to tell police that her mother attacked her first. And while her mother attacked her, she yelled at Kelsey to run. 33-year-old Deborah Janelle Jeter pled guilty to both charges on May of, or in May of 2010. Uh, And just a reminder, the charges were attempted capital murder and murder. She was sentenced to life without parole. She did take a plea deal to get the death sentence off the table. But also because of the plea deal, Kirsten wouldn't have to testify in court. Before being transferred to state prison in Gatesville, Deborah was allowed to see Lee and Kirsten. She apologized to Lee and Kirsten. And Lee claimed that she told him that she still hated him, but that she was sorry for everything that happened. And the reason that she attacked the girls was because she was heartbroken over their situation, their 
separation and custody fight. It's not. <laughs> why is she taking it out on the girls then? Um, according and, to what she told or what Lee would later tell a newspaper, she figured that if she felt that way, then we all must feel that way. And she wanted to take away all of our pain. Okay, but I also feel like maybe this is just me, but if you're in a custody battle and you're bitter that you're in this custody battle, you don't harm your children. I mean, uh, no, especially when um, you, a judge, what's the word I'm trying to think of, released her, I guess. Like they, she took away the restraining order. And then She's cleared, basically. Yes, thank you. And then the night after, this is what happens. Yeah, that's where I'm like, um, I don't know. I feel like, and I, I don't suffer from the degree of mental health issues, like whether it was depression, anxiety, whatever she was going through mentally. I, I have never been to that place. I never want to, and so I. I'm struggling because she was in an um, in an institute for what two weeks, mm-hmm. yeah. And I get that that's a lot, but I also feel like the day after you get out, that's mm-hmm. that's when you snap. Like how I feel like it was very manipulative of her to get to that point. And I did want to mention too, I could not find anything on why she was released from what I, it looked like they could not keep her but i mean even for her to be able to get past the judge you know it still seems yeah. fairly manipulative yeah i can see that and just based on how she was on the phone uh, not i don't know it's not a good look it's she is eerily calm on that call. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll post the link with the pictures. Um, but she is just very calm, cool. She's in, like we said, she does start getting very frantic, but I mm-hmm. still don't feel like she's that frantic. I do wonder too, just to play devil's advocate. I do wonder too if maybe that's some something to do with what she does. If she was wanting to become a nurse. Is that a class or a course nurses have to take? Like, surely you have to be somewhat controlled. In, um... But I feel like it's different when it's your own kid. Oh, yeah. You know, that's where I'm kind of like, I may not have kids yet, right? I, I, I still think, let's just, like, my animals, because that's the closest I can relate. Those are my kids right now. And I just think, like, if something were to happen to one of my fur babies, there would be mass hysteria and panic on my end. But, like, someone else that tells me, like, oh, this is going on, or even if I was helping with, like, another person's sick animal, I'd be much more calm, cool, and collected. No, I think I would lose my freaking mind. Yeah. So, like, just think about, like, your experience with... um animal control mm-hmm. like can you imagine what what you did with you know the dogs that you had to euthanize can you imagine having to do something like that to buck or even someone else doing something like that to buck yeah no 
Well, I did think about that like constantly, like because it, that's just something that never gets easier. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know if I could. If it, no, I really don't know if I, I just, could. I just feel like it's so much different when it's a patient versus your own your own child. And I know like EMS and people like that, it can get to them. Like that's a lot. Yeah. But I still feel like there is a, a level that is crossed when it's your own child. Like emotionally. I know. I would yeah. That's yeah. I mean it's scary, like it's scary to even consider or think about. Yeah. Let me finish this. I did not like this story, um, by the way. Oh, I you didn't? I couldn't <laughs> no. tell. No, but I wanted to do it because the same the same thing, the 911 call pissed me off. Yeah. I just wanted to go into Kelsey a little bit. Um, Kelsey Leanne Jeter was 12 years old when Deborah took her life. Her teachers said um, that she was quiet. She was smart. She typically finished her work before the other kids did. And she was always reading. She He said that while they had free time in the classroom and all the other kids were talking to each other, Kelsey was reading a book. He said that he would see her at her locker, one hand with the book open and the other t- the other hand turning the knob while she was reading. Or he would see her walking through the hallways. And he described her as walking blindly through the hallways while she was once again reading just that little time in between classes. Oh. Her family waited until Kirsten was out of the hospital before they had a funeral for little Kelsey. And at this funeral, they asked that memorial donations were made to Paw Pals in Hillsboro because Kelsey loved animals so much. As of today, Deborah Janelle Jeter is still in jail. Good. Um, with no parole. Good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Deborah Janelle Jeter. Do you know if Deborah has received any mental health treatment since being in jail? I could not find anything on that, um, but I also don't know if that's information that we're privy to. Probably not. I'm just curious if anything had come out about it. Not that I've seen, Hmm. no. And I did. I I tried to look into that because I really hope at the very least, you know, an anti-depression pill or something for her. Well, do you want to talk about something less terrible? Yes, please. Let's just jump right in. So, have you ever heard of the Kelly Hopkinsville case? UFO case? Um, I can definitely say that I have not. Okay, well, I can definitely tell you we are going to be talking about a UFO today. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. So, this is known as the Kelly Hopkinsville case, or the Kelly Greenman case, or the Hopkinsville Goblins case. So it's got a lot of names. Okay. It's a coat of many colors. Yes. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly and Hopkinsville are both in like Christian County, Kentucky. They're situated like, I'm assuming Google did from center to center, like 10 to 20 minutes apart. Um, So they're like neighbors, you know, bordering each other. On August 24th, nope, not August 24th, on August 21st, 1955, a group of five adults and seven children would go to the Hopkinsville police station. And there they would tell police that they had just spent the last two to four hours defending their farmhouse from small alien creatures. Wait, okay, hold on. Wow, we are just (laughs) jumping in here. We're going to jump right in. So you said 
What was that? A total of nine people? Five adults, seven children, 11, uh, 12 people. Oh, five adults and seven children. Holy crap. Okay. And they were at war. Yes. With tiny a- aliens. Yes. Oh, tell me all about this. <laughs> okay. So the witnesses claim that just after sunset, one of the residents went to go get water from the well on the property. This was around 7 p.m., so it wasn't dark yet. It's not like, you know, winter time where it gets dark at 5 p.m. It mm-hmm. was still light. It's August. Okay. On his way back, he claimed to have seen something weird in the sky. And from what I could find, this witness was Billy Ray Taylor. And he claimed to see, quote, a bright light streak across the sky and disappear beyond a tree line some distance from the house. Also, side note, I typed these up like two weeks ago and I haven't <laughs> notes since. So if I'm shocked by my notes as well, that is why. Um, anyways, so he says he sees this light streak across the sky disappear be- behind the tree line just a little ways away from the house. He also said, quote, real bright with an exhaust all the colors of the rainbow. So he done saw something and he goes back and he tells everyone like this craft was silent. It was like a silvery object. It came towards the house, passed over it, stopped ear, like mid, like stop right above it, mid air. And then it also would drop down. Like, he's just like, I saw some real crazy shit out there, guys. (laughs) Don't go over there. And originally, everyone's like, okay, sure, Billy. Sure, 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 sure. You saw something in the sky. Okay, you're real funny. Typical Billy. Gosh, Billy out there getting all confused at the well. That's just the sun, <laughs> sir. <laughs> they they just kind of blow it off, and they're, they're laughing about it. But about an hour later, the family's dog is barking nonstop. So a uh, man named, named Lucky and Billy, they go to the back door and there they can see what they call a strange glow and a small human-like creature. Soon the house is completely under attack by what the residents of the home believe to be creatures from a spaceship. They would describe the creatures as about three and a half feet tall. They had oversized heads, but they were perfectly round. Their eyes were oversized and their eyes glowed a yellow color. Their arms extended almost to the ground. Their hands didn't have fingers, but talons instead. What? Okay, so it's just skin to claw? It's just awful. Oh, okay. Yeah. And oddly enough, the creature's bodies shimmered as if they were made of metal. Now, I just want to draw your attention. To the picture in the drive, which this will be posted, there is a picture. It is, is the there's like one? six of him on here. Uh, it's the third one where it kind of looks like he's a shiny metal creature. Yep. And I hate it. I hate everything yes. about it. It looks like, it looks like if UFOs were humanoid, like the ship itself, if it were yes. humanoid, that was what this creature would be. It looks terrible. I hate it. I hate its hands. They look like cheap sporks, that the ones that always break. They do look like cheap sporks, don't they? They look like sporks from KFC. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they're awful. So that's what I wanted to draw your attention to was specifically their spork hands. <laughs> so... 
they're just like, okay, there's these creatures that look like they're metal. Now, two of the adults, Elmer Sutton and Billy Ray Taylor, would grab their guns and just start shooting. And they stated they had been shooting between 12 or shooting at between 12 to 15 creatures at their best Mm -hmm. guesstimate. Okay. The first shots at the first of the creatures, they described it as if the creature's hands were raised as if they were being held at gunpoint, which... I feel like that's valid because they were held at Yeah, <laughs> they were absolute, like, this is not a stretch. Okay. Yeah, I felt like that was valid. It reportedly came to the back door. And after the first shot, they said it did, like, a flip. And then it scrambled back to its feet and then fled into, fled into the darkness. Fled into the darkness. Fled into the darkness. So did he hit it? Yeah. Did it, pating? Uh That's. That's kind of what they're like, uh, what the hell's happening? So they're not sure. They're like, what the hell? They described them, again, short, dark figures. And they said they would just repeatedly pop up in the doorways or peer into windows. They're little metal peeping toms with their little spork hands. Okay, but what do they want? I don't know. <laughs> like, they're no. just shooting them. And their whole time, they could be like, we brought you this muffin basket. And we just want to give it to you. Mm, maybe, maybe at the beginning, but they didn't see a muffin basket. So. Well, yeah, because the guy started shooting. But the one approaching didn't have a muffin basket. You're not going to send your president with the muffin basket. That's someone else's job to carry the muffins. Okay, but also I feel like that would be stupid of you to not bring the muffins with you. Bring them two. Bring them a small one that the carrier pigeon can take with him. Yes, and then you okay. can have a bigger one with the president, you know? Okay. Yeah. That's what they should have done. I would yeah. shoot two if people came to my house and they didn't have a muffin <laughs> basket. People. If people. This goes for any critters of any <laughs> sort, I'm sure. Yeah. The mailman included. <laughs> if my muffin basket is not here today, you're getting <laughs> shot. <laughs> well... They, they're just like, they don't even know what to do. They're just popping up in the doorway, looking into windows, and these men are just shooting at them. And they said that these little creatures seemed as if they were unaffected by the bullets. So. Because they're made of metal. Clearly. Glennie Lankford, who, she would describe these creatures, and she would go on to say, quote, it looks like a five-gallon gasoline can with a head on top and small legs. It was shimmering bright metal like on my uh whoa. it was shimmering bright metal like on my refrigerator. So she's kind of saying like that. Like the glare. Yeah. It... Yeah. Oh, okay. Or the reflection, whatever. Yeah. Uh Billy Ray decided to risk his life. Bless you, Billy Ray. Thank Billy you. Billy Ray. Billy Ray Taylor. He decides to step out of the house at one point. And the witnesses behind him witnessing this whole thing, because they're witnesses. How many times can I say witnesses? Yeah, they're witnessing witnesses. I was wondering (laughs) how many times you were going to say witness. (laughs) You want to know what's great is that I only have it in my sentence once. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the people behind him witnessing this whole scene, they claim that as Billy Ray Taylor stepped outside, they could see one of those Talon's spork hands reach down and touch Billy Ray Taylor's head. 
Oh, hell or no. his hair. Oh, no. Mm-mm. And then being good friends and family, they're like, oh, hell no, Billy, get back in here. We're sorry we, we laughed at you earlier, but we believe you now. <laughs> like, get your ass in here. And the witnesses, they would go on and they just keep describing these things. And they're like, well, rather like when they were shot, rather than falling down, it seemed like they would float to the ground. And then throughout the night, the family just, they were hearing scratching on the rooftop. Uh, They were still seeing scratching on windows and doors and seeing them pop up in windows and doors. And after their curtains. Maybe they didn't have curtains. I know. I know. (laughs) Listeners have done it too. I know you've hung up a blanket with tacks before when you didn't have anything better. Tell me you ain't never hung a blanket in your window with thumbtacks. See? That's my girl. Right there. We've all done it. Sometimes you just... Sometimes you just need a couple thumbtacks, okay? I'm not arguing. I'm just saying maybe they didn't have the supplies to do it. Okay. Because I don't always have thumbtacks at my house. I do right now because I haven't lost all of these ones. Oh, no. All mine are gone. So Exactly. (laughs) So... Point is, is that after this very long battle, the fam- family finally, they're like, let's get to the car. We're going to go to the police station. And this is at about 11 p.m. So they just left the house. They were like, y'all can have it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, burn it down. We don't care. Goodbye. <laughs> Actually, no, they're going to the police station because they're trying to get reinforcements. They're like, okay. give us our house back. Leave us alone. Police, at this point, there were some reports that were like, well, they're not really concerned about the alien portion. They're more concerned about them shooting and causing, like, a gun battle between the residents. Okay, fair point. So they're like, maybe not. But they have four city police, five state troopers, three deputy sheriffs, and four military police from U.S. Army Fort Campbell all head over to the Sutton Farmhouse. Wait a minute. How many? Hold on, hold on, hold on. How many police and how many departments did you just say? So it's four one, departments, two, right? Three, four. Yeah. So four, four city police, five state troopers, three deputy sheriffs, and four military police. So we're looking at 16 based off of my notes here. So <clears throat> you're telling me that they sent 16 different people from four different city and government i'll say emergency personnel and not even emergency personnel just pure law enforcement and they didn't believe their alien story no i call bull (laughs) they believed billy well here's the other thing is when they were talking about the family Uh, And this is later on in my notes, so I'll probably repeat it. But they talk about how the family, this isn't the type of family that would typically come to police for help. Like, this is the family that they would basically just get their guns and deal with the situation on their own. So for them to actually go to police was probably kind of like concerning. Something's going on. Uh, Not necessarily thinking that like the the Sutton household is the problem, but maybe just like we got to make sure everything's okay. Um, and not then thinking about like they're saying that it's been two to four hours they're fighting these things off (laughs) okay you know yeah but we'll we'll talk about it okay they're they're coming to help yeah they're bringing the calvary 
Yeah, they're like, let's go. Saddle up, boys. Um, now, there are a lot of people who question the timeline on how the military police was able to get involved so quickly. Because they had to get to Hopkinsville. And according to some reports, they arrived at the farm between 11.30 and 11.45. So, according to Google Maps, today, Fort Campbell is about 30 minutes away from Hopkinsville Police Station. If the police station was in a different location, I don't know. But today, from where Fort Campbell is, um, based off of where the Hopkinsville Police Station is, we're looking at 30 minutes. and then. Kelly is another 15-ish minutes out. So we're looking at 45 minutes total. And so people are like, well, how did military, first of all, get a call and get there so quickly? Because it's not like the Suttons got there and immediately backup was called. They had to give statements and they had to do like all these other things. Like, how did it only take a couple minutes for them to like get there, get on scene? You know, unless they were already there. That's what a lot of people think. Is oh, why. Oh, oh. Yep. And according to, uh, nope, I already said that. Now, police they state they they wouldn't describe the family as the type who would run to police for help. And I know I just talked about this, but police chief Russell Greenwell would tell investigators, "quote These aren't the type of people who normally run to to police for help. What they do is reach for their guns." But reportedly, all the men and women and children were very shaken. They were not having it. They were freaked out. And they, like, they were visibly shaken. And one report states that one of the men had his pul- pulse measured, and it was at 140 beats per minute. I don't think that's healthy. I mean, that's like if you're working out. If you're stressed, yeah, but... maybe not, but... I feel like they might want to have him sit down and give him some water. Maybe that's why, though, is they were checking because he maybe looked flush or something. And I mean, I'm sure he did. He was probably panicked, but yeah, he just fought for his life against a bunch of tiny metal (laughs) gas cans (laughs) with sporks. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when reinforcements arrive on scene, there are no aliens to be found. They don't see anything. They do find plenty of evidence that there were shots fired. There were holes in windows and door screens. They could find like casing shelves, whatever the proper terminology is. But they, I mean, they found evidence that there were shots fired. And they also couldn't find any evidence that the group had been drinking either. According to reports, liquor was actually not allowed in the farmhouse. Uh, Glennie, the matriarch of the family, was like, absolutely not. You're not drinking in my house. No. Glennie was like, you take that horse piss somewhere else. Yeah, Glennie, she's a classy lady. She's like, you're not, we're not doing that in this household. I'll allow the guns, but the beer, that's where I draw the line. Um, Listen, it's one or the other, beer or guns. I prefer the guns, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And one thing to note is that police seemed pretty shaken up by what they had seen there. Like something had clearly shaken up the police after their visit to the farmhouse that night. Some claim that the police stated to have heard strange noises and see strange lights. I personally couldn't find the police report without information. Damn, I would so, love to read that. Yeah, I just, I couldn't find it. 
Now, again, all the residents of the farmhouse claimed to have seen these creatures, and that included Glennie Lankford and her children, Lonnie, Charlton, Mary, and two sons from a previous marriage that were unnamed, um, Elmer Lucky Sutton and Vera Sutton, so that's Elmer's wife, John Charlie or Jace, oh, I'm sorry, John Charlie Sutton or J.C. Sutton and Aileen Sutton, again, a couple, um, O.P. Baker, who is Aileen's brother, Billy Ray Taylor, and then June Taylor is his wife. So, like, they have, like, a pretty good collection. I don't know that everyone's name was listed here. I couldn't necessarily find all of them. Mm-hmm. But those are the main people that I could find that were like, yeah, this is what happened. Now, also to know, of the residents, it's reported that the Taylors, Lucky, and Vera were traveling carnival workers just visiting the home. So they don't live there full time. They're there temporarily. Man, they picked uh, the wrong night to visit. Right. And is that the correct terminology for, is it carnies? Would they be called carnies? I think so. Is that offensive? Okay. I don't know. Let us know. Yeah. If you don't want to be called a carny, <laughs> let us know. Because we don't know. But if you're a carnival worker, you're probably pretty badass. Let's be honest here. I know Amanda I've, would love to be a carnival worker. I would love to be a bearded lady. She just doesn't have the correct beard for that. No. Or any beard. Or any beard. Yeah. I at least gave she... up on those dreams as a child when it just never came. <laughs> well, police inv- police investigate and they find nothing on August 21st, 1955. They just, we don't see anything, ma'am, sirs, go back to bed. Well, Wait. on August... I'm sorry. So they didn't find anything, but something scared them. Yeah. Reportedly. Reportedly. Well, well, on August 22nd, the following day, police would return to take statements, do a little more investigation, but neighbors would tell police the family packed up and left. After the family claimed the creatures returned at 3.30 in the morning. So, like, they go, they do their initial investigation, because, you know, it's dark and middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And police probably say, just go back to bed. There's nothing here. It's fine. And they do. But these creatures return at, like, 3.30. And they kind of thought, oh, they, they've left. We're good. But they come back. And Glennie... Shout out left, too. Right. Glenny Lankford claimed to have seen one glowing eye at her bedroom window and its talons on the screen several times. I even have a copy of the police report from Glenny Lankford if you want me to read that for you. I've been waiting for that this entire time. On Sunday night, August 21st, 55, about 10.30 p.m., I was walking through the hallway, which is located in the middle of my house, and I looked out the back door south and saw a bright silver object about two and a half feet tall appearing round. I became excited and did not look at it long enough to see if it had any eyes or move. I was about 15 to 20 feet from it. I fell backward and then was carried into the bedroom. My sons redacted, age 25, and his wife redacted, age 29, redacted, age 21, and his wife redacted, age 27, and their friends redacted, age 21, and his wife redacted, 18, I'm assuming these are all the carny workers, by the way, um, were all in the house and saw this little man that looked like a monkey. About 3.30 a.m., I was in my bedroom and looked out the north window and saw a small silver shining object, two and a half feet tall, 
that had its hands on the screen looking in. I called for my sons and they shot at it and left. I was about 60 feet from it this time. I did not see it anymore. I have read the above statement and it is true to the best of my knowledge and belief. Yep, I'd have left too. You get your grubby little paws off of my screen. You know how delicate those things are with your spork hands? They just shot through them. They didn't bother opening windows and doors. They're just shooting through them. Well, no wonder they left the house in the middle of the night. There's nothing left of it. (laughs) There is also a depiction of one of the spork hands looking in the window. It's one of the last pictures. (laughs) I don't like it for them, but I kind of want to make it my phone background. (laughs) Do it, I dare you. (laughs) So... Uh, they they leave because Glennie's like, they came back 3.30. They were looking at me. I was trying to sleep. I was in my skivvies. This is inappropriate. (laughs) So like I said, police, I mean, they return to see if they can find anything, any evidence of a craft landing, but they just don't find footprints. They don't find blood. They don't find scratches on any part of the house. They find nada. Not a damn thing. And Naturally, the press catches wind of this entire story. Oh, God. And when the press caught wind, there is widespread coverage, not only in local news, but in national news as well. Like, it spreads. Yeah, it gets all the way to national attention. Early on, articles mostly stuck with what was reported, but eventually the articles would start referring to them as little green men. So you had different articles that would start kind of adding different details, such as the creatures being... I mean, it. well, this is accurate. Two to four feet tall, having large pointed ears, claw-like hands, the green. Like, they just were throwing things in left and right. They had spindly legs, like, just everywhere. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this guy's not green. Well, work. <laughs> and there's there's a lot of controversy on this case as a whole. So, first of all, this case, which I don't know why this bullet is out of order... Um, but the this case is kind of what brought about that modern terminology of little green men because of the articles and things that were released eventually. And because, I guess, because of those articles especially, but it got so much attention that it's... Yep. Oh, okay. So, now there's a lot of controversy surrounding this case as a whole. Skeptics, they say the reports were due to, quote, the effects of excitement. <laughs> That's just rude. And misidentification of natural phenomena such as meteors and owls. I'm sorry. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I'm just going to let you. <laughs> you called me crazy and you said that this is owls. I don't think so. And if these are meteors, those are some aggressive well, the meteors would be, like, there were meteor showers, and so what they're saying they saw as oh. the crap, that was actually a meteor. Oh, I'm dumb. Okay, so the meteors not, like, peeking in their windows. Yeah, no, you don't have a meteor okay. just peeking into their windows. <laughs> gotcha. No, I'm with you. <laughs> okay, I don't, just an owl. Yeah, I mean, if there were meteors peeking into their windows, I'm fairly certain they did not have a house. Well, I mean, they already... Blew the windows out with the guns, so. I mean, at that point, if they wanted insurance, they might have been like, yeah, the meteors really, really got through. Like, do you see this mm-hmm. hole in my window? That is not a gunshot. Don't you worry. <laughs> Farmers, are you there? <laughs> Anyways, so psychologists Rodney Schmaltz and Scott Lillenfield 
they often cite this event as uh, as pseudoscience, and they talk about this with their students to help their students distinguish truth versus fiction. Even though officials and witnesses maintain there was no alcohol involved, it's still used as an example in a lot of their studies and teachings to say, listen, truth versus fiction, if they were drinking, like, is this the truth or is this fiction? Also, what is it? Like, they use this a lot. And they suggest that alcohol likely played a role in what they had seen that night. So, again, this case is used in for psychology students. Um, skeptic Joe Nickel, which we've heard plenty about him in the past. But he believes that the witnesses may have just misidentified a great horned owl. Which there is a picture uh. or two on the drive of the great horned owl. They do fly silently. They're nocturnal. They have yellow eyes. They can be aggressive when guarding their nest. The height of the creature could be comparable to a, a great horned owl based off of what the family were saying. The great hor horned owl is about two feet tall. Uh-huh. They're also made of metal and they're silver and bullets just bounce right off of them. I mean, I never necessarily saw that bullets bounced off of them, but bullets <laughs> did not affect them. That's for damn sure. Author Brian Dunning stated, there are simply too many similarities, and this is a quote, there are simply too many similarities between the creatures reported by the families and an aggressive pair of local great horned owls, which do stand about two thirds of a meter tall. So he's like, no, there's enough similarities. It's probably a great horned owl. <laughs> uh, Nickel also states that the night of the incident, there were meteor sightings, which could explain what Billy Ray Taylor saw. Even French UFOologist, UFOologist? Yep. French UFOologist uh, Renaud Leclet? Probably said that wrong. I'm sorry, you're French. I don't speak French. Um, he argued that the best explanation for this case is also the great horned owls. Like, everyone is like, nah, it's these dang owls. The U.S. Air Force did classify the incident as a hoax in Project Blue Book files. Though some claim that there is evidence to suggest that there never was an investigation completed by the Air Force or the UFO investigation team by Project Blue Book. Hmm. So interesting there. Other skeptics claim that the Sutton family did this for financial gain. After all of the media attention and reports started surfacing, people were going to the farm to check shit out. And Uninvited, may I add. <laughs> yes, uninvited. <laughs> And when the Suns failed to keep these trespassers at bay, they just decided, I guess we roll with the punches and let's just charge them admission. We've got a lot of screens and doors to fix right now. So might as well. We got to we gotta finance this somehow. Yeah. Well, they did charge 50 cents to just enter the grounds. A dollar for any information. Ten for taking pictures. Um, but I also feel like if you can't stop them from trespassing, you might as well charge them, right? Like, they're going to be there. Might as well have some sort of gain. No, I completely agree with this. I wouldn't have trespassed to begin with because, obviously, they have guns. Their house looks <laughs> like Swiss cheese. But if you, I mean, if you can't beat them, uh, charge them. That's what I always say. I like it, right? That's my thought process is might as well. And a lot of other UFOologists also consider this a very significant case. Um, a lot of them stated this was the most significant case in the close encounter history. 
And they also were like, this is so well documented just with all the media coverage and everything um, that they're just like, this is such a compelling case. And they do cite this uh, event for its duration and the number of witnesses involved. They're like, there's just, how do you get that many witnesses to all basically agree on the general look, shape and everything of this creature and what happened for that long? You know, they're like, how, how does that happen? And these were generally regarded as pretty like trustworthy people. Like they weren't the type of people to go seeking this type of attention so for the people who are true believers, they're like, mm, it, it, it would be hard to lie about this, especially with kids who are now grown and are still like, no, this happened. That's what I was going to say. Like, not only is this 11 people that are all, it was 11, right? Five and seven? Twelve. Oh, okay. Yeah. 12 people <clears throat> that are all saying the same thing, but more than half of them are children. There has to be some kind of truth to it then. Yeah. Everybody corroborates. Yeah. And I think the number, I think more of them were adults, but they were Glenny's children. So they got counted in the children. Okay. You see what I'm saying? But yeah, her kids were in her 20s, right? In their 20s. 18, 19, 20. Yeah. Okay. Well, some of the kids. Yeah. Okay. So I guess it's just like, I get it. I don't get the owl explanation, but that's just me. No, I feel like, first of all, we should be nicer to owls because every time something like this, like this happens, Mothman is an owl. The freaking, <laughs> um, what are these guys called? Because now it's just little green men. They're aliens? The Hopkinsville goblins? Okay, Hopkinsville goblins. Okay, first of all, that should be like a, a hockey team or something. But uh, owls, again. I listen, I'm just here. And UFOologist Jerome Clark is also just here. And he wrote that the creatures floating through the trees and the sound of bullets when striking them was very uh, suspicious. And he says that initial reports claimed that the bullets sounded like they were hitting a metal bucket. And according to Clark, quote, odd luminous patch along the fence where one of the beings had been shot. And in the woods beyond, a green light whose source could not be determined. So he's talking like, "Mm, maybe there's some blood or there's just something here. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, this this all does seem really compelling. And the description, or I'm sorry, this all seems really compelling that there's like this luminescent something on the fence post. But then he goes on to say like, oh, this matches that of Firefox. And Firefox is a bioluminescent fungus on decaying wood so he's like yeah i can write that away but he also notes that the investigation by police and air force and military he's just like i just i'm struggling to believe that this was a hoax so he's like yeah i can see that this is like there's some very compelling things that would show it's a hoax but why is the military involved that's always just okay yeah that's the best catch 22 yep and he also claimed that Air Force investigators showed up the following day at the farmhouse, but I couldn't get that. I couldn't corroborate that with any physical evidence or report. There were only like this Jerome Clark claimed that they did show up at the farmhouse to do their own investigations. So it's like, huh, interesting. And like I said, this is the case that is the origin of the term little green men. 
these events were the inspiration for Steven Spielberg's Night Skies. The creatures are also the inspiration for the Pokemon Sableye, which I did include a picture, by the way. I, I the purple that. guy. Um, now, the city of Kelly celebrates this event annually with the Little Green Men Days Festival, which we need to go to. However, I did look into it, and I don't see that they have done the festival since 2019. Oh, COVID. Oh, my COVID. Ruined yeah. everything. Bring it back, please. Ruined everything. Yeah, so I'm not sure if they're still doing it. I could not find anything suggesting they were doing it this year. But Kelly, Kentucky, if you guys hear us, we're going to need you to bring back the festival. Yeah, please. Like, I think this year, even if you make us mask up, that's fine. You don't care. I still want to go. I will dress up my child as a little green man. Oh, for sure. I'm pretty sure they do face painting, at least from the pictures I could see. They had a bunch of like face painting of people Mm -hmm. like with little green men. Oh, my gosh. Please bring this back. It sounds so magical. Yes. And so I just, I want it back so badly. But the last thing I could see was 2021 as an update that they were canceling. And then I haven't been able to find anything else. So I'm kind of thinking maybe it's not a thing anymore, but I'm kind of wanting it to be a thing. But let me just share my screen with you with some of these pictures. Oh my God, please. Oh my gosh. I love him. Anyways, I'm super bummed that I can't find anything on that. But if anyone knows any more about the Little Green Men Days Festival, you just let us know. We'll be there. Maybe not this year, but eventually. I don't know. For me, maybe this year. I think we could do Kentucky. I'll go to the the UFO conference or the paranormal conference here. You go to the Little Green Men Days. We'll reconvene and talk about our experiences. Okay, that's actually perfect. Smartest thing you've ever said. (laughs) Hands down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it. That's my story. I I loved it. I'm still upset that they're called little green men when they're (laughs) not green. They're definitely not. And I really also don't want them near my windows. I can't blame them for leaving. Like that would be horrible. I just want to know, like, your spork hands, do because you said they have talons, so does it scratch or does it smudge? I'm going to say scratch. Oh, that's the worst. You can't get that out of glass. Well, I mean, no, but... Oh, oh I'm sorry. I forgot they shot the windows out. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, does it even matter at this point? I don't think so, no. So... I'm going to make that my background. <laughs> do it. Do it. I've got puppies as my background, so I don't know that I can change it. Oh. Are you doing it on your phone or on your desktop? I'm doing it on my computer. Okay, you do that. Maybe I can do it on the computer and scare the crap out of Cody. What's he going to do? Shoot the computer out. Good thing we don't own a gun. (laughs) But anyways, that's all I got for you. Do you have anything else? No, that's it. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening to Helen Heels Podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Helen Heels Podcast, Twitter, Helen Heels Pod, or Facebook by searching Helen Heels Podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Heels Podcast. 
If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well, especially if they're in Mississippi. Especially if they're, or Indiana. Yep, Mississippi or Indiana. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye.